is Cheryl Broderson, and I'm with Jasmine Allnut. And we're here with Women Worth Knowing, and this is part two, and Jasmine and I are so excited. Why are we so excited? Well, Cheryl, we're excited because once again, we have our friend Leona Carney with us to share some of the amazing things the Lord has done in her life. It shows us that God is working today. He's still yes. raising up women worth Knowing. Yes, they're not all dead. They're Old not, people. No. It's like, yes, there's people that still are alive serving the Lord. Right. Yeah. And, and this is so exciting. And we got the opportunity to see Leona, so to speak, in action. Yeah. Because oh, right definitely. now she resides in Colombia. She has a ministry there. And um, Leona is actually older than she looks. We're not going to say her age. That's up to her. <laughs> but you are such so vibrant, an inspiration yeah. in so many ways because. Mm-hmm. Last session, we talked about she was a single mom with a failed marriage. Uh, she knew sacrifice. She had to give up children. She had a lost reputation. She was into Buddhism for a while. She dealt with bitterness and anger and atheism and, drugs. and trauma yep. and drugs. Refugee, she studied Judaism. And all of these things were preparatory to God preparing her for two ministries that you had that, well, you've got a ministry now, but two that were kind of substantial. Mm. Was it? First in Thailand, or was your ministry in Israel first? Which one came first? Actually, I, I ministered in Israel working on a kibbutz, and that was just through uh, friendship evangelism. But mm. then after Thailand, I went back to Israel, and that's when I established the extension campus for Palestinian Christians. Right, and which that, you mentioned. Yeah. 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 And by the way, I'm 76. Oh, and, gee, wow. And I'm very you look happy. I, it, that's the truth. I'm not ashamed of my age. <laughs> okay, which is amazing because when we were with her in Colombia, she had broken her arm and she was still one-handedly making us yes, some really delicious food. on doing yes. everything. It's like, what? Yeah. I mean, we we kept trying to do her dishes and she's like, but I have a special way. We're like, we're good with special ways. We can learn these special ways. But I want to talk a little bit about now, how did you end up? And, and during this time, you're getting your education. You're always taking classes. Mm-hmm. You end up like with a master's degree. But then how did you end up in Thailand yes. of all places? Because yeah. now you know Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you're going to Thailand. Why? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was, I actually went to a, uh, when I was in Israel, the, the, previous time, um, the Lord, I was seeking the Lord uh, to what ministry to uh, identify with to join after I completed um, this ministry that I had on the kibbutz. And the Lord spoke to me like, it was like a telegram, Uh, YWAM, intercession, world vision, Holland, discipline, Holland. That's what he, it was just like Mm -hmm. a telegram came. (laughs) Okay. So I applied for... um, the fall, he impressed me that it was to be in September, or, and I applied for the, the school there, and they said that they didn't have a place for me, and I kept praying, and the Lord kept telling me that's when I was to go. So, I got on a plane, and I went to Holland. It's the only time in my life I wanted my suitcase to be the last one off the plane, and it was the first. <laughs> I went and found out how I got to this address that was refusing me, and I had I got dropped off on a bus out on this country road, and I'm lugging a big heavy suitcase before the four wheels type, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm carrying a heavy carry on, and I'm getting more and more irritable with every step. Finally, I get to this place and I sit down at the gate under a tree at the outside the gate 
And I just said, I'm not going in there. They don't want me. They told me not to come, and I'm not going in there. If you want me to go in there, you're going to have to bring somebody out here to get me. And I hear this voice in English say, are you okay? (laughs) So I said, no, I'm not. The Lord told me to come here, and they said they don't. Anyway, I ended up going in. She said, well, come on in and let the elders pray. And they prayed. I spent the night, and they still had no place for me. So now I'm like totally humiliated. And I thought, I'm just going back to Israel. And one of the elders said to me, what are you going to do now? And I said, I'm going back to Israel. And he said, well, if God told you to come to Holland, to YWAM, I wouldn't just go back to Israel. Don't you know anyone in Amsterdam? I said, well, I know Karen Lafferty and Celeste Yoha. He said, go and, you know, see, maybe the Lord has something for you in Amsterdam. So I got on this. I'm just thinking, I'll agree to anything. Just let me out of here. So I just said, yeah, yeah, okay. (laughs) And But because I said that, I had to follow through. So I go through the train station. He told me where the uh, Samaritan's Inn was, and I went out the train station the wrong way. I'm going up and down this canal, and I'm saying, I don't see that building. That's it. I've had it. I'm tired. I've had it. I go back through the train station. I'm getting going. I'm just there. Here's the bus. I'm going to get on the bus to go back to the airport. I'm going back to Israel. And these two guys walked by, and the Lord said, ask them if they speak English. And I, no, I'm not going to ask them. It comes out of my mouth. Do you speak English? And they said, oh, yes, we do. Can we Can we help you? <laughs> and I wanted to say no. <laughs> um, but they, I said, do you know where the Good Samaritan Inn is? <laughs> and they said, oh, you mean the Samaritan's Inn? It's right over there. And in my mind, I was thinking, it's still too far. I'm getting on the bus. And they said, can we help you? And they pick up my suitcases and start walking. You have to go. (laughs) Wow. So I get to Samaritan's Inn, and Celeste and Karen are out of the country. Wow. I thought, this is never going to end. It's (laughs) never going to end. And the girl at the desk said, uh, I asked her, look, because it's getting late Mm -hmm. then, I said, do you know where there's a hostel that I can get a cheap room? And she said, well, we have a hospitality room here. Why don't you stay and let the elders pray about you? So I thought, here we go again. They prayed for a week. Who prays for a week? I mean, how long does it take? Five minutes. Should yep. she stay? Should she leave? For a week, they prayed. After a week, they they felt that the Lord wanted me to stay with them and to, like, it was kind of like an internship. It was a blessing. I served with them. And then the school called for the next semester and told me, we have a place for you. And I thought, oh, that's wonderful because I have no money now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, one night I was going into the evening study, and they told me to call David Blue, that the receptionist, that he needed to talk to me. So, I called him, and he said, do you still want to go to the Bible college because somebody called from the States, and they want to pay mm. your complete expenses? Mm. And I thought he was joking because mm-hmm. I never had that happen. So, I just laughed at him. And um, I hung up, and I went in, and Karen asked me, another Karen, she asked me, what What did David want? And I, and I told her, and I said, he's joking around, that David of blue. Mm-hmm. She looked at me, and she said, Leona, why would he joke with you? <laughs> you know? And so I called him back, and I said, David, now you have to promise me you will tell me the truth. Promise me. <laughs> yes, Leona. So anyway, I ended up at YWAM Holland in answer to your question, and we had world intercession and uh, during times of intercession, the Lord started giving me visions, which I didn't believe at first because I thought, I'm around all these people who have visions, and now I'm having visions. It's, it's my imagination. Our suggestion, yeah. 
the visions were of, they started with children of the world, basically, children that were victims of war, children, the state of children in the world, Mm. exploited children, children that were living on garbage dumps. And then it kind of focused in on children that were being sold into slavery. And this is over a period of months. And then it was on children, little girls in Thailand being mm. sold into prostitution. Mm-hmm. And uh, this sounds like I'm going off the subject, but it's related. So if you bear with me, one evening I was um, in corporate worship with the, uh, the school and you, have you ever had evenings w- or times of worship when you just kept being distracted? Yeah. <laughs> and my mind kept being distracted. And I thought, Lord, I want to worship you. And he gave me a vision of the universe. And it was just like, just like in the movies. And, um, the, and it was vibrating with worship. The universe mm. was just like vibrating mm-hmm. with worship. And everybody in the room, I could hear everybody in the room and I could hear the universe. And then he touched my ear, and I could hear the individuals. So I could hear the individuals, everybody in the room, and the universe. It's like supernatural. And he spoke to my heart about how in tune he was with the individuals, even though it was like corporate worship. Mm-hmm. And um, the next morning, I was in intercession with a friend to pray for little girls in Thailand. And when we went into our time of prayer, the Lord gave me the same vision of the universe. And this time it was filled with the screams of children. Mm-hmm. And wow. it was so horrible that I ended up with m- my ears covered on the floor just crying. And the Lord was there. His presence was there. It wasn't anything visual. It was just his presence was there, like he, as if he were standing beside me waiting. Mm-hmm. And I knew that he wanted me to respond. And um, I just cried and I said, you have got to promise me that there'll be a breakthrough. Mm. Because if you don't promise me there'll be a breakthrough, I never want to look at this again. Mm. And he said, I promise. And the scream stopped. And he said, are you willing? And I said, I'm willing. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything you want me to do. And he said, count the cost. Mm. Because it will cost you everything. You will have to lay down every detail, every aspect of your life. And I said, I'm willing. And so uh, no one had heard at that time about the child slave market in Thailand. And again, it you know, some people, I thought that I was a little bit off on this, that maybe mm-hmm. I was, my imagination was getting this the best like of Amy me. Carmichael. Yeah. And, but I got on a plane and I went to Thailand. I didn't even know how to get out of the airport. All these people started coming at me, taxi, taxi, taxi. <laughs> And uh, the Lord guided me step by step. I started, I did language study, and then I started to do research on the child slave market by buying children, keeping case histories of them. And based on that research, I developed a strategy and prevention a program that prevented 12-year-old girls from entering the slave market through enabling them to continue their education. And that ministry still runs today. It's a, In fact, mm-hmm. it's a very big ministry today. They have four houses. I slept on the floor, washed clothes by hand. <laughs> but they live in nice big houses. <laughs> they have two boys' houses and two girls' houses, and it continues. They changed the name. Uh, the name the Lord gave me was Satripumi Nimit. It's Women with a Vision. And nobody liked that name. I didn't care that much for that name, but it's the name God gave me, and I couldn't change it. 
And then one day I was complaining to the Lord, why do I have to keep this name? I don't like this name. Nobody likes this name. And he said, they're coming in as little girls, and they're going to go out as women with a vision. Wow. And today, some of those girls, one is a five-star general in the Thai government police force. One is a dialysis nurse. Another does research at uh, medical research at Thomasite University. Uh, Many of them have, uh, there's missionaries, two of them or three, are working still with the ministry they grew up in. So they are women with a vision. So when you went to Thailand, I mean, and what you told us before, which I think we need to say, is one of the things you did is you started buying these girls off the slave Mm -hmm. market Mm -hmm. and becoming a mother to them. Mm -hmm. And then providing for them and training them Mm -hmm. and teaching them. And yeah, one of the little girls that I bought, that's true, I did that. Um, And one of the little girls that I bought had uh, I had enrolled them in baking school, and I, we were walking to baking school, and I noticed this is right after I bought her. I noticed that she was limping, and I asked her what was wrong, and she said, "My pen, Rika, my pen, uh, and means nothing. It's not a anything." And when she came home. I saw that her, from the baking school, I saw that her leg was swollen and red. And so I tried to do something with it because what I was doing was actually illegal. Mm -hmm. I mean, because I wasn't paying the police force off. I would, um, not all police force were were like that, but the ones in that area where the child market was. So anyway, um, so eventually I took her to the hospital. Because there wasn't anything that I could do. And if I got arrested, I got arrested. That's it. Mm -hmm. So I took her to the hospital. She got, I don't know how many shots, and they cut it open, and they had to drain it. And she had to come back every day to receive a shot and care. And uh, the last day that she was we were taking her back. I asked the doctor, what would have happened if I, uh, if I only gave her oral antibiotics? Because if she was bought by someone else, that would be the most she could hope for. And he just looked at me and he said, if you had not brought her in when you had, I don't know what her chances of survival would have been. Mm. And I, it just was like fireworks going off in my mind. Like, you know, I said, it's worth it, Lord. If it's just for this one, mm. if you use me to save this child's life and nothing else, it's worth it for her. Mm-hmm. It was just so beautiful. And, you know, so many of the works of God start small and mm-hmm. God builds. I mean, you started with a suitcase in Thailand. Yeah, I did. And, and look what God has done. How long were you in Thailand? 11 years. 11 years. 11 years. And, and that's quite a long time. And I remember you saying you're still in touch with these girls mm-hmm. and that you lived with them until the last one went and was educated. Yeah, I didn't uh, stay until they were, I I actually turned the ministry over while the girls were still in high school. Mm. But mm-hmm. um, I was with, I, because there was a year of language school and then a year of research of buying girls. Mm-hmm. And then I established the ministry. It's interesting. I had no money. Um, Calvary Chapel at that time supported single missionaries, $50 a month. And <laughs> I had a, my house that I was living in was $200 a month. And I had rented another house for the girls with no money. I mean, that was it. That took mm-hmm. all the money. And, um, I came home after offering, we offered a scholarship program for the girls because if we bought them, you know, from their parents, then the parents would always want more money. Mm. But 
uh, ties are very big on face, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, so them receiving a scholarship gave the family face in the mm-hmm. village, and they wouldn't take them out. So that's the approach mm-hmm. that we used. And so I came home after we awarded these scholarships, and I'm crying to the Lord. I just said. I guess, what am I going to do? I promised these girls, 10 girls, I promised them an education. I promised them a future. And I guess I'm going to have to go back to the States and work for the welfare. uh, I worked for our social welfare department and work for the welfare and just send all my money back because what am I going to do? And while I'm in this tizzy, the phone rings and it's somebody, this woman, and she goes, Uh, I'm the president of the International Women's Club in Bangkok, and we heard that you're going to do a project for girls in the Northeast, and we'd like to know if we could give you some money. (laughs) And then uh, within that week, I think it was, I received a check from Denmark, somebody I didn't even know. It financed the project for the first year, I think. Wow. Um, Someone I didn't even know, someone had been to Thailand from their church knew about what I was doing, went back, shared about it, and they wanted to support the project. So God never failed. I remember this uh, other missionary, this Baptist missionary, we used to have a prayer meeting together. And he said to me, I don't know what I was saying, but he said to me, oh, come on, Leona, everybody doesn't have the gift of faith like you do. And I looked at him, I said, really? You think I have the gift of faith? And he he said, anyone whose support is only $50 a month and you rent a house for $200 a month, I would say has a gift of faith. (laughs) Yes. Or like the time you bought that house for a dollar, which we won't get to. Wow. (laughs) Yes. Two houses I bought with no money. (laughs) So, I mean, there's so much more. Leonie, you did write your biography. Yes. Mm -hmm. And um, what's the name of that book and how would someone get it? Chosen in Love and it's Mm -hmm. on Amazon. And that only takes me up until I was 62 and I had planned to retire. (laughs) After that, I've had (laughs) a second career. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, there's got to be a sequel. (laughs) Okay, let's um, go from... Um, from this point, mm-hmm. and you go back to Israel. How did you know? Like, what was what was going? I mean, we talked about the waves, or you know, how did how did the Lord direct you back to Israel? Then, well, that is that particular time that I went back is uh, when He told me I would be uh, working with the Palestinians, mm-hmm. and so He spoke very clearly to me. It was time to go back to Israel. Mm-hmm. Other times I've gone back, uh, like most recently, uh, the leading to go back. Uh, it's very strange, actually. Mm-hmm. I had it in my heart that this year, because of my age and who knows how much longer I'm going to be able to do these crazy things <laughs> that I do, that I wanted to visit Thailand this year mm-hmm. and I wanted to visit Israel. That's all. That mm-hmm. was what was in my heart. But the Lord started speaking to me like, It was so strange to write a job description. One of my degrees is in organizational management. Mm -hmm. So I was to write a job description, and then I was to write my resume for that job description and sent it to Nasha, who is now, he was one of my students. He was one of my sons, still is, Mm -hmm. like my Arab son. And he is the head, the general secretary of the Palestinian Bible Society, which is a very evangelical organization uh, located in Jerusalem. One of my accountability was there at that time. And I said, you know, this is so strange. I don't, it's, I did, I wrote the job description for a liaison officer Mm -hmm. and I wrote my resume. I was very definitely qualified. 
And but I thought I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just not going to do this. So I was telling um, Brian about this, and he he goes, "Well, just send it and see what the Lord does." So I sent it, and be- immediately Nasha called me from Israel, and mm-hmm. he wanted me. How soon can you be here? Wow. wow! Because there is a situation. There's some. There are some situations where the people that are involved are people that uh, were either my students or Mm. that I've mentored somehow. Mm -hmm. And all of them respect me and Mm. would have a respect for me. And there's a need for um, like conflict resolution in Mm -hmm. a certain situation. So you speak Arabic too? I spoke a little bit of Arabic. I had to be able to research in Arabic for my master's degree, Mm -hmm. which I cannot do that now. Mm -hmm. I have not kept it up. And there's some phrases or certain things in Arabic that will come to my mind that will get confused with <laughs> other languages. But um, mm-hmm. I, I spoke, I studied classical Arabic, mm-hmm. and that's not the spoken Arabic. And right. the spoken Arabic is not written. I took like a very, like a semester or something of spo- spoken Arabic, so I could shop or something like that. Uh, now, oh. see, this is what I find this fascinating is-, is that you've lived in these places that have non-related languages. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Thailand, <laughs> Tonal, right? right? Yeah. And then you've got Israel, and which is, of course, Hebrew and Arabic, if you're going to get by. Mm-hmm. And then... Of late, how many years ago did you go to South America? Yeah, South America. I was sixty-two, and what happened was uh, I was going. I was working with the ministry in the states. Then I was so excited. I was so excited. I I was um, helping a ministry called Women in Need in Chestertown, Maryland, where I had actually led the leader of that ministry to the Lord in my first two years in missions, where wow. I went wow. to Maryland. And that was like another world then. It was the peninsula, and the west of rest of Maryland used to joke you needed a passport to go to the Western Shore. <laughs> Believe me, it was another world. Anyway, so she was pioneering this ministry, and I was coming alongside her to help her. Well, my daughter married a guy from Maryland and remained there in, mm. when I mm-hmm. when we were there. So it was nice. I thought I'd mm-hmm. be near my grandchildren. I was going to be near family. I mm-hmm. could still be in ministry. And next door to me in the house that was provided for me by this ministry was a Spanish families. There were several families mm-hmm. living in that house. And I had heard that the migrant workers who came here to the States were exploited mm-hmm. and that they had terrible things happen to them. And so I kept worrying about this family and I mm-hmm. couldn't speak to them. And I was I was just so concerned. Are they okay? And so I kept trying to get people to come who were from Spanish-speaking ministries to come and start a ministry to these people because, mm-hmm. you know, they might be exploited. We need to. <laughs> yep. And um, so I came to the missions conference that year, and I uh, was speaking to a couple who have a Spanish-speaking. They said, I asked them to, do you know anybody that can come? You know, mm-hmm. this is, we need somebody there. And they said, no, they didn't know anybody. And I said, well, the Lord certainly must have somebody because why is he putting it on my heart? I I guess I'm going to have to study Spanish. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. His, somebody, But my implication was somebody's not 
Yeah, responding. Yes, up. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. yeah. I'm not going to have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so the, he agreed. Yeah, you should learn Spanish. So I went inside, and the Downies were speaking, and he he kept saying, he was talking about the tribal language, and he kept saying, "You can learn Spanish. Anybody can learn Spanish." And then he would talk about this tribal language, and every time he did it, he must have did three times. It's like he was speaking to me. Then. After the meeting, Darlene, who worked with the children's ministry here, came up to me and she said, I heard that you're going to be studying Spanish. I have a complete first-year program. I'm going to drop it off for you. Wow. And I thought, okay, <laughs> I guess. So it, it was apparent that I needed to study Spanish, but I kept thinking it's for these people. And uh, so I went to Guadalajara and enrolled in a Spanish uh, school. And then the Lord led me in different places, different parts of the world. But my Spanish, I never uh, really became happy with my Spanish because at 62, my <laughs> gray cells kind of like are not what they used to be. <laughs> but you're functional. I'm functional. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and right now you're in Colombia. I was. You was, were. You're oh, in so transition you, You're on your way to Israel. Mm -hmm. I'm just right now, like a week out of Colombia, had to come through Mexico. To a, I was under house arrest for six months because of the COVID, and I'm on my way to Israel when it opens. Yes. Right. This is exceedingly exciting, and we got to catch you for <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a couple no, of an yes, hours. Quickly. <laughs> um, I'm thinking to Leona, like how God has worked with you is that it's always on your heart. Mm -hmm. It's like he's been working with your heart and letting you feel. And, you know, I was thinking how much of that sensitivity to feeling mm -hmm. um, and maybe even tuning in to hurt and pain came from your own trauma. Mm -hmm. Because people who don't have trauma, they're not as acute to it. I know you talked about my mom. And what people don't know about my mom is she had a very abusive background. Mm -hmm. And nobody knows about that. So she was very acute to pain. Mm -hmm. And she's very sensitive. And in fact, if somebody was in pain or hurting, I mean, she would almost like go a little bit um, neurotic. You know, we'd be, we'd be watching her going, oh, no, here goes mom. Just empathizing so much. Mm -hmm. yeah. So deeply. Yeah. But I think about how God, he doesn't waste he doesn't waste mm -hmm. that background. And it was all preparatory. You know, Leona, I know you've had a lot of pain in your background, but would you take any of it out? I mean, even though, you know, because of what it, how many people you've been able to help and minister to. The only thing I would take out is the pain that I caused other people. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, right. That's what's sin, hard or, to yeah. reconcile. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I've hurt other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet I think also that's necessary mm -hmm. to know that we can be part of the problem that we're not. I mean, I would definitely take all the injury I've caused people out of my <laughs> life. You know, sometimes I, I <laughs> yeah. still remember being eight and kicking a little boy. It's just like, <laughs> why did I kick <laughs> that little boy? <laughs> and that's just one. That was yeah, the beginning of a criminal conduct, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I just, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think we all have that. And yet it makes us super sensitive. I think about the prayer yes. of Jabez where he says, Lord, don't let me cause pain yeah. or harm. And I think that came because he had. I mean, yeah. his mom said, you know, you caused me pain in birth. And he's like, I don't want to do that again. Yep, absolutely. And and 
brought about this sensitivity. Mm. Um, I want to say just we've only, what do you, did you say, scratched the surface. I know. There are Gosh, s- I was thinking of all these little stories about things that happened in Thailand that you told us. There's so much more. There so. is so much more. And so she definitely has to write a sequel. Um, we're putting that out. <laughs> She's pressuring me because I'm working on this book for kids. So she's pressuring me. So I'm pressuring you right back <laughs> yes. for the sequel. <laughs> sequel. You've got a lot of uh, plane flights ahead of you. Mm. So that's writing time. Hey, there we go. <laughs> but we will definitely put your book up on the website. Yes. You already, uh, Chosen in Love, right? Yes. By Leona I, I keep thinking of the Spanish one, Asuimajen. I think yeah. that was your Spanish translation in of it. In His Image. So. No, it's a different that's book. That's a different book? Yeah, I've written oh, gosh, several okay. books. Well. That one's in, in His Image. In His Image, yes. And, you know, again, uh, Leona's written some books. There, there's so much to her background of, because of Judaism, relating that to the Bible mm-hmm. and a lot of great books. And I mean, you say that your gray cells are dwindling. I'm I'm so glad we met you then because we wouldn't have been able to keep up. (laughs) So we want to thank you so much for taking this time out because we really think you're a woman worth knowing. Absolutely. And so for Jasmine Allnut and Cheryl Broderson, um, thank you, Leona, for coming Mm -hmm. on this podcast, Women Worth Knowing. Bye. Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnut. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnutt.